Welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart here on TalkingAlternative.com. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I wanted to thank you all for joining in today. And just as a reminder for everyone that Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart is now up on iTunes, and I have all the episodes, all 70-something episodes, are up on iTunes. So if you missed one, you can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and that way you won't uh, miss any past shows. You can get all of those, and you won't miss any of the new shows coming up. So... Uh, In today's show, as you know, I started this a couple of months ago. Each month, I really wanted to focus on uh, a great organization in the nonprofit world. So today, I am very honored and thrilled to have on as my guest, Jacob Leaf, and he is the co-founder and president of Ubuntu Education Fund, which is a nonprofit organization that takes vulnerable children in the townships of Port Elizabeth, South Africa, from cradle to career. Ignoring traditional development models, Ubuntu redefined the theory of quote-unquote going to scale. Rather than expanding geographically, they drew a seven-kilometer radius through a community of 300,000 people. Ubuntu's programs form an integral, integrated system of health, educational, and social services that ensure that a child who is either orphaned or vulnerable could, after several years, succeed in the world of higher education and employment. Ubuntu's child center approach highlights the difference between merely touching a child's life versus fundamentally changing it. In 2009, Jacob was selected as an Aspen Institute Global Fellow, and he was recognized by the World Economic Forum as a young global leader the following year. In 2011, he became a member of the Clinton Global Initiative Advisory Committee, and in 2012, Jacob was named one of 101 most innovative people in the world at the Decide Now Act Summit in London, and he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Pennsylvania. So, Jacob, thank you for coming on, and thanks for uh, giving your time to us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's kind of get right to it here. Uh, Can you sort of tell us and tell our listeners, what is the backstory of Ubuntu? When was it formed, why, and how? Sure. Um, I actually always tell the same story when I tell how I founded this and what really inspired me. Um, I was, uh, I'm American by birth, but I was raised in London and got a chance, uh, got involved with the Free South Africa Movement, which overseas was uh, the marches to release Mandela from prison and keep economic embargoes uh, on South Africa. And then in 94, um, they wanted to take 15 students from around the world to observe this incredible transition from apartheid to democracy. Um, I was 17 at the time, and I traveled with this group of students across the country, meeting with everyone from your uh, you know, right wing to your... Robin Island Freedom Fighters, and somewhere during that journey, I uh, met a woman in a township called Alexandria, and she was um, going on and on to me about how uh, she stood in line for five days to cast her ballot, and I looked at this woman who was uh, quite old in my eyes and uh, quite a large woman, and I just said, I don't understand. How did you wait five days? And she's like, no, you don't understand. I waited 85 years. And it was one of those moments, as as I was 17, that it just um, shook me to my very core. I never asked myself what these words of freedom and justice really meant. And um, I said I wanted to become part of what they were calling the New South Africa. I, uh, two years later, found myself at the University of Pennsylvania um, studying under a professor named Dr. Uh, Mary Frances Barry, who was big in the movement. And she sponsored me to go back to South Africa. And 
basically I found myself in this community um, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, where um, there were about 300,000 people living there. There was 95% unemployment, 40% HIV rate. But what struck me over and over was this unbelievable commitment to education where you saw 80 kids in a classroom and not even a piece of chalk. Oh, my God. And I've never had, after speaking in this community for close to six months, the man I was living with woke me up just before I was about to leave to uh, go back to the States, and he said, I want to take you for a walk. And he takes me to this area at 5 in the morning. And as far as you can see, you see little kids um, holding bricks over fires, and they were ironing their school uniforms. So they would look good and had the dignity and the pride to go to school. And I said, wow, this is just so inspiring. And um, just to see people who believe in the power of an education, that was going to be a ticket out of poverty, mm-hmm. um, really was the beginning of all of this. And what, I guess, when was Ubuntu formed? And, and also, what does Ubuntu mean? So Ubuntu um, is a, uh, comes from the Bantu languages of Southern Africa. Um, it's this idea that we are defined by the way we interact with one another. The patron of our organization is Archbishop Desmond Tutu. He, I love how he always talks about it. He says, I am because you are. A person is a person through a person. Um, I just thought it was a beautiful philosophy and way of living that it would be a nice um, name for the organization. Mm-hmm. Something, um, you know, so when we incorporated almost 14 years ago, that's what we named it. I, um, during my first six months, in South Africa, what I saw were all these, this is now 1997, mm-hmm. post-apartheid South Africa, a lot of international aid money was being funneled into the country. And I saw organization after organization, these large nonprofits um, coming in and literally coming into the communities where we were working and dropping something off and moving on, mm-hmm. meaning they were defining their success by, let's say it's, our goal was to distribute a million computers, a million cups of soup and they'd go on to the next community, and then they'd eventually go back to the States or the U.K. and say, and boast about how many people they were reaching. But nothing was actually changing. Mm-hmm. A child who'd been raped, a cup of soup is a wonderful gesture, but it's not going to take that child out of poverty. Sure, sure. And I started thinking about how I got to where I was. Um, how did I get to a good university? And all that was invested in me. And this idea of how do you raise a child is something we all sort of know in our hearts. But when we think of someone else's child, the other, we always, the question that you know, always comes up as, what's the cheapest way to do it to reach the most children? Mm-hmm. And that's not how you raise a child. Right. And we said, what if we were to start an organization that would, and in our case, we decided we would work with the most vulnerable in our community, meaning children who've been raped, children who've lost their parents, or children who are HIV positive. Mm-hmm. How do we get those children to a point where they, we don't just stabilize their environment and their health, but get them to a point where they're eventually achieving real income, whether it's going on to university or a job training program and then a job. Um, so it's this long-term view of how to, and we call it cradle to career. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, now we're starting with pregnant mothers because we found after nine months of a poor diet or if that mother's being abused or if there's, um, you're going to play catch up your whole lives. So we actually now start with pregnant mothers. And so it seems like there's a little, with Ubuntu, there's a little more follow-through, and it's also a way to kind of make the community and make these children a little more self-sustaining. You know so, what it is? I don't think there's anything more sustainable than investing in a child every day of their right, lives. Right, right. And it's literally giving these children whatever they need. So if a child can't see the blackboard, they visit our pediatrician to get glasses. If they can't, you know, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's every step of the way. Right, and, and that's sort of very something very simple that I think here I, in the U.S. or more westernized countries that we really take for granted. 
absolutely. And I think people always ask me, what is the big innovation there? Everyone's looking for that big sort of, you know, golden solution to it all. And I say, actually, all it is is implementing something we all sort of know it at the very core of what, mm-hmm. how to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Give them the care, the love, the mentorship. Ensure they're getting good instruction in school. You know, if they're failing math, let's make sure they're getting the math tutoring. Sure. And, and so forth. Now, I'm obviously saying, you know, doing this in a community with that's plagued by uh, the unemployment we have, the abuse. Uh, one in three of our girls are raped by the age of 18. So incredible amounts of... Um, it's an incredibly difficult, difficult um, environment we work in. But what we've proven is that if you stick with the child over the long term, you can actually make real change in that uh, child's life. Right. And as simple as that sounds, it works. Exactly. Okay. And we're going to, Jacob, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the programming that you have through Ubuntu for these children and their communities. So everyone stay tuned and we'll be right back after a few, mi- after a few minutes. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We are certified certified mediators. mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. Money, time, happiness, success. Where's your breakthrough? Join me, Nora Simpson, as I bring you real-world tools for combining financial smarts with spiritual purpose. As a consultant to CEOs, I've helped produce clear, measurable financial results while expanding integrity, passion, and joy. Share my journey as we apply the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment to create breakthroughs for people across the world, the people of Creation Nation. Listen to Nora Simpson's Creation Nation Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com.
And welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and my guest today is Jacob Leaf. He is the president and co-founder of Ubuntu. So in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about how Ubuntu was formed and why it was formed. And so now, Jake, I'd like to get a little bit more into the programming that Ubuntu offers to the to not only these children, but it seems to me like the community at large in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. So, um, first of all, I just, there's one thing that I think is really amazing about Ubuntu is, like you said, it's not a program where you just sort of drop in, leave stuff, and go. But that Ubuntu has an actual physical brick and mortar building in Port Elizabeth. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the actual building and kind of the architecture behind the building, because I know that there's meaning there. Sure. In fact, the building truly embodies everything we believe in. Um, it's 27,000 square feet um, designed in a uh, green manner in the sense it's uh, powered by wind and sun. Um, and when we set out to build this complex, we were running out of space, and we wanted to do something that uh, the world has never seen. We wanted to design. Whenever you go into impoverished communities, you don't see true architecture statements. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make a statement that access to great health care and access to excellent education shouldn't be a privilege reserved for those um, living in London or New York, but rather a child's right. Mm-hmm. And I set out interviewing architects all around South Africa, and one by one they kept saying, well, that can't be done there, or uh, show me an example of what you want built. And I kept saying, no, this has never been built before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Finally, you don't have an example. Exactly. And finally, I heard about an architect who was living out in Northern California um, in Half Moon Bay, and he was originally from Port Elizabeth and left in the 60s. And I got on the phone with him, and within five minutes, I hired him. That I've never met him. I just, we bonded. When a meeting Stanfield, uh, he was in his 70s, had Uh not been back to South Africa. He left um, during a horrible era of the country and never wanted to go back. And, um, first thing he said to me is, well, we're not going to design this out in California. Let's get down to South Africa. Mm-hmm. He spent hundreds of hours, which we have videotape, sitting with our community, sitting with our students, with our, the parents, with just everybody, um, every one of our staff members. And so when we finally did open the center five years later in September 2010, mm-hmm. everyone in our staff would walk around saying, oh, this was my idea. This came from me. Uh. Um, which is really special. Yeah, it's now, great. Now, a building, um, we also, I gave Stan a mandate. He said, I want to win international architecture awards. And everything from getting a huge award at the MoMA in New York to um, being inducted into the South African Architecture sort of Hall of Fame uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. Um, and it's something we're really proud of. And not that the building itself is, um, but it, it stands for excellence. And our children need it. You know, when we were building this, the children would come up to the building site and would say to us, um, they would ask, well, doesn't this belong in town? Town meaning the other sort of, in the, the, sub, the fancy suburbs. Mm. And say, no, no, it belongs here. Um, the building ended up costing us a lot of money. It cost us um, uh, close to $7 million U.S. million. It's, it's a beautiful building. Well, the first 200,000 rand, which is about $10,000, um, sorry, $20,000, mm-hmm. was raised in our community in two and five rand coins. Wow. So there's a plaque. And it doesn't matter if you're the mama who is raising 10 children in a shack your name is in alphabetical order next to the person who gave a lead gift of a million dollars. 
And it's that sense of um, what the building stands for that we were able to raise that much. Um, it's something we're really proud of. Um, and, uh, you know, it has a, the cornerstone of it is, the, is a pediatric health clinic, the first in the province. Mm-hmm. It's as nice as uh, you'd send your own children there. It's as nice as anything you'd see. Sure. Um, a community theater. There's nowhere in our community um, where adults and children can congregate in that manner. Um, seats 400 people. There's uh, education wing. There's an early childhood development center. It really is designed specifically for all of our programming. Yeah, and you know, I have a friend of mine is a teacher at the American School in London, and she actually took some of her students there um, a couple of months ago. And what she was struck by was, well, one, the organic garden yep. that helps to feed the people in the community, and also just the attitude of everyone working there and all the children that go there that, you know, they weren't coming from London to be the fixers, quote-unquote, or to be the teachers, but that it was a big collaborative effort, and they were just learning, all the children were learning from each other, and it was a way just to connect and to collaborate and to just be kids. Sure. The program you're referring to, um, we do, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves in this whole industry is this idea, and we reinforce it with our children in the Western world, that they can go, quote, save Africa as a 17-year-old. I have 80% unemployment. I can hire someone to paint a schoolhouse better than they could do it. I don't Mm -hmm. need them, you know, them to do it. Rather, let's bring children from overseas down on equal footing and let them participate in our program with our kids. Yeah. And what you see is there's a lot more similarities and differences between these children when you take away the iPads and so forth. Right. And um, our kids learn from each other, absolutely. You know, the comment about the, um, the food garden, um, really, that, the, our food garden issue really came out of our, um, when we began getting HIV drugs in our community. So... Um, one of the we, our goal is to take these children through to uh, successful careers. Mm-hmm. The key to that is keeping a young, their, their mothers alive, um, and their mothers are my, the, the generation that's really been hit hardest by HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, these drugs work. You can keep them, and you can keep someone on these drugs for you know 15, 20, 20 years. We don't know how long at this stage. Right. It's long enough to raise their families and. One of the main reasons for defaulting on these things, a lot of people think we don't have enough drugs. We have enough drugs, but the reason it's really about adhering to these drugs is not being on a full stomach and so forth. So mm-hmm. we started these organic food co-ops, and um, they're pretty spectacular. And, lot, and so all of our all of our clients that are on um, their HIV drugs take them with a full meal, um, and it's pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. It's when a mother dies is where the house becomes destabilized. Well, of course, and, yeah. Um, you see a child move into transactional sex into crime what survival mode mm-hmm. and that's where we really um so our model we we, we work with the child the child is a centerpiece getting them across this pathway however you have to stabilize the environment around the child if you work with the child and then invest in them and send them home and they're being abused or there's no one at home right you might as well not invest in that child right right absolutely and so now let's let's go into some of the programs i know uh, one of the newer programs is the Early Childhood Development Program. Sure. And this is what, ages three to five? Is um, that right? Two to or five. Two to five, okay. So, what we actually started, as I was saying before, was um, we realized that we had to start earlier and earlier and earlier. And as I said, now we actually start with pregnant mothers, but, and that children born um, HIV negative will enter into our Early Childhood Program. But uh, we, we got a small grant from uh, the Atlantic Philanthropies to go out there and research best practices in early childhood education around the world mm-hmm. and then adapt the model for our specific situation. 
people always give lip, talk about best practices, but so rare. But when they get down into an impoverished community like we work in, it's often, well, if it says best practices one child to five children, that's reserved for the private schools of the U.S. You can't really do that where you are. And we said, no, we're actually going to do best practices. Well, yeah, we, I mean, best practices is best practices, right? Sure, but it's not—it's so rarely actually implemented. Uh-huh. And I think that's one of the problems um, out there is that if we were to actually implement our best practices, we'd have a lot more success um, in what we're all trying to do. So we, this early childhood program has started with 43 two-year-olds. Um, and we And they're caregivers, so uh-huh. each child needs a caregiver, whether it's a biological mother, a granny, a 16-year-old sibling, someone who will be part of that child's life and come... Um, you know, to meet with the teachers daily and so forth. Um, and the goal is that these children will be the first that we take straight through to university. Okay. So it is a long-term view on it all. Yeah, that's a very long-term but, view. You know, you, you had touched on it when you, um, you know, read sort of the beginning bio and or explanation overview of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's that comprehensive, holistic um, intervention that's so important. So, you know, they're not, they come to our early childhood education but they're getting quarterly medical screenings with our pediatrician, mm-hmm. monitoring nutrition intake, um, learning how to work with the parents on how to on proper parenting techniques and so forth. Um, they really get everything during school holidays. They're part of the camps. Um, it's really giving these children, giving it them all. Yeah, and you know, in, in going through the website, what I really liked is, of course, yes, you know, Ubuntu. Sort of as far as the education is concerned, you know, you're offering your your regular education programs you know you've got your math and your sciences and things like that mm-hmm. but what i also like is that you incorporate in there yoga theater dance you know things that normal kids regardless of where they have grown up get the chance to do that's right you um, know and i think that that's really special for those kids to take part in those programs we we provide about 2000 meals a day right now to our clients and we have this giant industrial kitchen and in there we also do uh, cooking classes for our kids. So they work in the gardens to see. It's so satisfying to see your vegetables grow and so forth in our sure. sort of Ubuntu Center garden. And then they um, come and they work learning how to cook it so it's nutritious and so forth. So it's, 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 we try to give these kids everything that you'd get it anywhere else in the world. Sure, right. Again, teaching them how to be self-sustaining and how to you know, then uh, what I what I see is that Ubuntu sort of gives these kids the tools to get through their childhood, and then let's say they go on to university or they go on to job training, and when they have families, they'll be able to pass that along. So it sort of helps to kind of stop that cycle. Absolutely, and it's um, listen. We have to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about how many billions of dollars have been invested in this part of the world over the last. 15 years in, in, in this sort of in development um, and how little we have to show for it. It's really disturbing. And that's yeah. why we really are trying to, and we're not saying that others aren't doing it well or we're the only ones. In fact, we're as flawed as the next group. We're well aware that we're learning. But what we do know is that we have to redefine how we, def- how we talk about success. And it can't be the amount of children you reach or lives touch. It has to be people's lives changed. And that's really a big difference. Sure, yeah, and, and, you know, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, some of the other, uh, the You, Me, We campaign and some of the other programs that you have at Ubuntu. So we'll be right back. Great. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com, professionals serving community. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. And welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Jacob Leaf. He is the co-founder and president of the Ubuntu Education Fund. And and Jake, over the, the break, we were kind of talking about all that you have said so beautifully in the first two first couple segments and the one thing that struck me and with Ubuntu is how it seems to me and and from my friend who went there and from going onto the website that you really give these these children a sense of purpose and self-worth which I mean in the long run is priceless but that I think because they have that empowerment and and that feeling of self-worth about themselves that they I think they are more likely to continue with the program and go on to edu- higher education job or you know be more proactive in their community and their families so I think that's a really great thing that you guys are doing oh thank you yeah, it's um you, you've nailed that it. it's exactly what we're trying to do um you you, you show I mean, most so many of our children are just in such broken homes generations after generations of Unemployment. These aren't the first kids in their families just to, you know, go into university. They're the first in their communities, mm. um, and that's that's very powerful. And there's very few role models in that sense for them to look at. Sure, sure. And let's talk a little bit now about the the You Me We campaign. 
sure. I mean, Yumi We um, in and of itself is a um, is a play on the concept of Ubuntu, right? I mm-hmm. am because you are. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that you and me together we can change the world. Um, the campaign um, is really our our. Um, it's going to be a three-year campaign to raise twenty-five million dollars. Um, to take another 2,000 children along the pathway um, that we talked about from cradle to career. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, we want to take our, we built this incredible center that I spoke about earlier. We want to take all the grounds around it and really develop it into a, we're calling it a campus. A campus. Ubuntu campus. Sure. So it's, it's bigger than just a center and the one building. That We've got these different facilities around there um, and really see it as a, a sprawling campus of education and health, an oasis of excellence. Well said. Um, now, aside from, I, mean, I, I know that you've touched upon this here and there through the discussion so far, but aside from the focus on education, um, I like that you guys do have uh, also that focus on health and wellness with, you know, pediatrician there, and uh, you've touched upon sort of dietary and things like that. What about uh, more psychosocial issues? Is there, because like you had said, one in three girls have been raped, and is there a place at Ubuntu where they can go and get counseling and, and you know, or support? Yeah, I think the psychosocial part of what we do is the glue of what we do. Um, you know, every one of our children, whether they've been abused or they've, se- they've all experienced and seen it, they're living in an incredibly traumatized community. Mm-hmm. And the counseling aspect of what we do is so important. So every one of our clients, and we call our children clients, we call our parents clients. Mm-hmm. So I think this idea of professionalizing the service delivery model, um, it's very important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and every one of our clients has a, has a, a personal counselor. Um, these are child care specialists that we've trained that have all registered with the government at mm-hmm. a certain level. We also have psychologists on our team. Um, and then we run support groups. So um, we have support groups for young girls who've been raped. We have support groups for teenage mothers. We have support groups for um, everything you can possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are sort of that group environment where you discuss issues. And then during our camps and during, um, which run during the school holidays, we try to keep the camps light. Um, and there's a lot of theater. Um, we've worked with a lot of Broadway actors and actresses in this. And we try to explore a lot of the issues facing the society through drama, mm. um, which is also another interesting outlet and um, that we do with our kids. And then finally, the, the sort of the last aspect from the psychosocial part of it all is while we're in South Africa amongst this incredible bush and wild animals and everything you've seen on, you know, TV, sure. safaris, so forth, our children are literally living in a concrete jungle. They've in an urban environment where most have never left. Um, 20 minutes from them is some of the most spectacular bush and wilderness anywhere in the world, and uh-huh. they've never been. So we take our kids on these wilderness trails where they sleep sleep under the stars, they have to keep the fires going, keep the leopards away, you name it. Right. And in these environments that are such so extreme for our children, um, so much comes out, and our counselors are able to interact on a very deep level in those environments. And the counselors and, and, let's say, group leaders, are they people from the community that you have trained, or are they sort of brought in from the outside? Well, no, they're from our area, actually. In uh-huh. fact, we, when I, I, I said earlier we professionalized the service delivery model, this is important for us because most nonprofits in Africa you see are run by people who couldn't get jobs anywhere else. It's just the truth. Is, right? It's the mama who has 20 orphans but can't balance a, a checkbook. You know, and, yeah. and we said no. We want a team made up of people with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, 
chartered accountants, um, doctors, nurses, pharmacists. And here's the key. So the money we raise, all of it goes into really going out there and competing with the private sector for top young talent. Mm. We want people from our communities who've made it. And -hmm. if you're black and well-educated in South Africa, you can make a boatload in the private sector. And we are competing with a lot of the, you know, big everyone from like Goldman Sachs and and so forth, all these Mm -hmm. big banks in Johannesburg in the big city to um, keep young, talented people and employ them and um, and that's who you want raising your children people who are sharp who are smart who are well educated sure, sure. and who can be real role models yeah no absolutely um, and now another program that I want to talk about is the build program but we're going to take a quick break and we'll get into that program in the next segment um, so everyone stay tuned when we come back we'll talk about uh, the build program through Ubuntu so everyone stay tuned You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. How's your game? Want to improve your performance, focus, and motivation? then you need Aspire Athletic Consulting. Stop second-guessing yourself. Move your game to the next level. Bring back the fun of the sport. Help your child build confidence and self-esteem through sports. Contact Dale at Aspire Athletic Consulting for a free 15-minute power session to get unstuck today. Your greatest athletic performance is just a phone call away at 801-604-0294 or visit aspireconsulting.vpweb. Motivational coaching for athletic excellence. Aspire to greatness.
Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by the president and co-founder of Ubuntu Education Fund, Jacob Leaf. And so uh, last segment, I said we wanted to talk about the BUILD program, which is uh, part of the uh, Ubuntu Education Fund. So, Jake, I'll have you kind of tell us all about it. All right, so BUILD um, is a partnership with a uh, foundation called the Bertha Foundation. Um, what they, Bertha, uh, was able to realize is that an organization, really any institution, is only as strong as its people. Um, so BUILD stands for the Bertha Ubuntu Internal Leaders Development Program, and it's a million-dollar four-year program to invest heavily in our staff. And that's everything from ensuring each one of our staff has an individualized professional development plan, providing ongoing training in their areas especially, that, they're, that they're working in, um, helping us really develop an HR program um, that's on par with any private company. And I think that's what's important there. Um, and I said on par with any private company because my sector, the nonprofit sector, we undermine ourselves. All we are are businesses, and we have to look at examples of well-run businesses around the world and try to model ourselves um, after that. Um, there are well-run for-profit businesses and poorly run for-profit businesses. Um, and it's the same in the NGO field. And I think we're so scared to look at that direction for uh, examples of uh, success. Of course. And, you know, that kind of goes back to what you were saying in the last segment that, you know, you want to have this sense of, of professionalism within the organization and making sure that your staff is the best that they can be so that your clients, being the children and parents, are getting the best experience they can. That's right. And um, it, it's really the only way. Um, and uh, once again, I am amazed at how often... Um, sort of the larger philanthropic community criticizes a lot of what we're doing when they say, well, why are you spending so much on uh, investing, you know, training staff and developing, when, when really i, I got to believe that that's the only way we're going to keep top, you know, talented staff members. Well, sure, and also, you know, what's the, not what's the point, but why have these kids come to the center and, and perhaps come to, in a couple of years, this campus to be taught or to be led by people who are, frankly, not that good. That's right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said before, you know, people s uh, send, uh, let's say you talk about here in New York City, they, they, people send their kids to private school because they feel that they're getting a better education, it's more well-rounded, the teachers are better, whatever their excuse is, and they pay top dollar for that. So why would you, if, if these parents knew that they were sending their kids to a private school where the teachers didn't care, weren't very organized, didn't have a plan, they would be outraged. And, and I would think the same would, would apply to a nonprofit. You know, a, a story I always tell, when we were fundraising for this uh, big Ubuntu center that we opened in the last year, um, we were doing a bre fundraising breakfast on the uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And I was going on and on about the center, and this one woman just wouldn't let go. How dare you spend so much money on it when there's so much poverty? And could you spend it on this giving, feeding everybody? And what's going on and on? And finally, I stopped and said, do you have children? And she said, yes. I said, do they go to school? And she sort of laughed, of course. I said, where do they go to school? And she said, Dalton. Now, Dalton's a, you know, $50,000 $50, a year elementary school, basically, right. private education, more right. or less. 
Right. And I said, why is it okay for you to send your child to an institution like this, but we can't send, uh, in this case, poor black children in Africa to that? And we have to get away from this mentality of always looking for the cheapest way to do it mm-hmm. to reach the most kids. And I mm-hmm. keep going back to that because not a day goes by when I'm, if I'm overseas and I'm not in South Africa and I'm fundraising, someone says, well, how many children do I get for, and you can fill in the blank, $5,000, 10 100 mm-hmm. And that's the wrong question to ask. Right. right. It's not like you're herding cattle. That's right. You know, you're trying to make a difference, a substantial difference with each child. And, and what it seems is that that child, let's say, does matriculate through your programs, they go on to college, maybe they'll come back to the community and have something great to offer to the community and build it up even more. Yep. And wouldn't that be great? That's the goal. That's the goal. And, and you know, I, we've been talking about how you take such a holistic approach with the charity. So, you know, not just focusing on the children, although they are the center point of the program, um, but on the community as a whole. And I guess from inception to now, what were your biggest challenges with that? The, the biggest challenges with engaging with the community? With engaging with the community, you know, engaging with the parents to, you know, let those children even go to your after-school programs sure. or go into the programs, or even some of these children may be the primary caregivers to younger siblings. So how do you you know, how do they get out of the the house to even do some of these programs? Well, the key is to get all the children in the house right there. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you, you're correct. That a lot of these, a lot of our, in fact, we have 46 what we call child-headed households where there's absolutely no one left but the oldest sibling to mm-hmm. raise the family. Right. Um, and in fact, one of these young women um, started with us when she was 13. She had lost both her parents to HIV um, amongst three months, uh, within three months of each other. And um, she was 13. She just graduated university this past week, or oh. in two weeks ago, I guess it was now. That's uh, amazing. In South Africa, and that's just an incredible success story for yeah. us. Um, the challenges we face are definitely, um, this is new. It's a community that, and when apartheid ended, everyone was promised so much mm-hmm. that things would change so quickly. And, and I'm an outsider. No matter how long I've been there, I'll always be an outsider, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to... And I used to romanticize it and, you know, think I was, I understand I'm an outsider. Um, and I go back and forth constantly every month. I'm able to see sort of larger infrastructure progress, whether it's paved roads, electricity to the houses, but everybody wants things quickly. And I don't blame anyone for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to manage expectations has sure. been our greatest challenge. And sure. that's for every step of the way, everything we do. Now, Probably what's helped us the most along the way is it's not a bunch of people that are from America or England who are running these programs, right? It's We've hired people who grew up in these communities. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things in the beginning that I would get is, oh, well, you don't understand our culture. Oh, it's culturally appropriate here to do X, Y, and Z. And I've heard culture defend everything. What I've learned is that basic human rights always trumps culture. Mm-hmm. And the culture, by definition, has to evolve and change. And you know, having a team made up of people who grew up there, you know, one of our staff members say, hold on, don't pull that on me. I grew up with your uncle. You know, I, right. I grew up on the street from you. You can't say that to me. That's not true. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you're right in that, you know, if these cultures don't evolve and change, then they will die out, you know. But when, I, I just, I struggle with the word culture a lot because I, yeah. I, I, I wonder, you know, culture is always evolving. Always, yeah. And, um, 
And I get very disturbed when I hear people talk about, well, it's culturally appropriate to do something. And when I talk about something, something, for example, like, well, she's my girlfriend. I'm allowed to have sex with her when I want. It's mm-hmm. culturally appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's allowed. And I'm like, that, you know, once culture infringes on human rights, mm-mm, doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and listen, we can go into many cultures. You know, it was culturally appropriate to stone people. That's right. It was culturally appropriate to own slaves in America, right? You know, I mean, obviously, these things have to, you have to move on. And I think you're right. You can't hide behind that as a reason for doing something yeah. or not doing something. That's right. For, for that matter. So we're very aggressive like that. We don't sit back. We see things that are wrong. We're, we have our voice. And we want to create a team of people who have a voice and a generation of children who have a voice. Mm-hmm. And if someone, let's say, who's listening to the program, if they want to learn more about Ubuntu, uh, where can they go? Our website is uh, www.ubuntufund.org. So it's U-B-U-N-T-U-F-U-N-D.org. And we have an office in New York City and here in the States at 646-827-1190. And um, we'd love to talk to you and share with you what we're doing. And as far as I know, you know, a lot of nonprofits have fundraisers and things like that. And let's say maybe you don't live in New York and you don't live in London. Can people donate through the website as well? They can donate through the website, and we do things all around the world, all types of events, not just fundraising mm-hmm. and everything ranging from walks to uh, speaking engagements at, at different community institutions, from community centers to churches, synagogues, you name it, we're out there. Great. And we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back to kind of wrap things up. And I want to talk about, you know, you had mentioned a young girl who had been with you from the age of 13, just graduated university. So I want to talk some success stories Mm -hmm. and uh, sort of talk some numbers, I guess. So we'll be right back. So everyone stay tuned. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, this is Nancy Tato from Speak Spin Radio. Speak Spin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens and how to make it better, because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on Speak Spin Radio. Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com, professionals serving community. Money, time, happiness, success. Where's your breakthrough? Join me, Nora Simpson, as I bring you real-world tools for combining financial smarts with spiritual purpose. As a consultant to CEOs, I've helped produce clear, measurable financial results while expanding integrity, passion, and joy. Share my journey as we apply the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment to create breakthroughs for people across the world, the people of Creation Nation. Listen to Nora Simpson's Creation Nation Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. 
Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Jacob Leaf. He is the co-founder and president of Ubuntu Education Fund. And so, Jake, let's go into, because I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you get this a lot, they want to know, you know, what impact is Ubuntu having on on South Africa, on the children of South Africa, meaning, you know, how many students take part in Ubuntu and how many have gone on to higher education or job training? Right. So our, um, remember, we start with kids at a young age, Mm -hmm. and we've only been going 14 years. Right. Um, However, our first uh, 28 students have now graduated university, which is something that's unbelievable for us. Um, I talked about the young girl, Zaytu, before, who's a childhood at household Mm -hmm. who's now uh, holds a degree in industrial psychology. Wow. Um, a young woman, 18, who's actually just um, completed her undergraduate and got a full scholarship to do a master's degree in mathematics at West Virginia in the States wow. uh, University. That's amazing. Um, those are great success stories. We talk about them so much internally because, very honestly, in our line of work, it's sort of, you know, one step forward, ten steps back. Mm-hmm. We deal with a lot of day-to-day trauma, a lot of really a lot of huge challenges and obstacles. So these 26 uh, young men and women who have now graduated university are not just uh, success stories for our funders, but for their role models for our community and inspiration, I think, for everyone on our staff. Sure. We, we have 2,000 children in our program, um, and we um, actually just completed a huge study with McKinsey mm-hmm. um, down in South Africa trying to better quantify and prove our impact. Um, and so, you know, for example, some of the um, successes that we've been able to prove is that children in our program have um, passed their grade 12 exam, which allows them to go into university at a 72% rate compared to 37% in the larger community. And that's very exciting. That's a, that's a huge difference. Um, oh, adherence to HIV drugs, which is the cornerstone of, we believe, keeping our children in school, keeping their mothers alive. Mm-hmm. Um, 96% of our uh, young men and women on our HIV drug program adhere to their uh, drugs compared to 57% in the larger community. So these are really big for us. Yeah, um, that's huge. We've been able to show that a, um, a, for every $1 invested in an Ubuntu child, you'll see uh, $2.20 net gain to society over their lifetime. And an $8.70 um, to a real lifetime earnings for that child. So these are big um, really, I think, show really high returns on an investment in Ubuntu. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and I think, you know, like you've, like you've been saying is, and what it seems to me is that the impact, not on just the individual child, but on the community as a whole, is probably something that can't even be measured. Uh, probably not, to be honest. Um, 
But I do know our, our longer goal is that um, we build an institution. An institution mm-hmm. is something that's bigger than all those involved in it, mm-hmm. that has a place in a community, a story in a community, that can respond to a community and changing needs. And that's really our goal, and that's why the BUILD program is so important. Um, it's really everything we're doing. Uh, so I talk about what is a Bluetooth sort of long-term vision. It's mm-hmm. built an institution that is there way past all of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a credible um, success story. Absolutely. And, and again, if, if anyone wants to learn more about Ubuntu, they can go to www.ubuntufund.org. That's U-B-U-N-T-U fund.org. And I guess just to kind of wrap things up here, what, what are the most important points that you would like the listener to remember? Sure. I think one is that um, access to really, really world-class health care and education be a right and not a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's, um, I think Ubuntu, we're in the business of uh, raising children and not raising money. And I say that because I think they're really two different, um, they're fundamentally different and uh, too many groups out there, I believe, are simply about building a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, it shouldn't be about how many children you can reach and boast that you reach millions of people across eight different parts of the world. But are you really changing a child's life? Right. So how deeply can you change a child's life versus how many children can you actually reach? Right. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think that that is something that really sets Ubuntu apart from a lot of other charitable organizations. Sure, and I think it um, goes back to the philosophy of Ubuntu, right? It doesn't matter. For me, I found my places in South Africa where I can make a difference, but mm-hmm. the idea that we're all connected and shouldn't be your religion, your politics, what color your skin that divides us. Humanity should be our common denominator. And mm-hmm. I think we all have to find where we can make a difference, whether it's wherever it might be. Right. Whether it's in South Africa, whether it's in, in the U.S., whether it's in just your small neighborhood. That's right. You know, I think wherever you find your place and where you can make a difference, I think that there's nothing better that you can do with your time. And so on that note, I would like to thank you for giving up your time today, for giving up the hour and spending it with us today uh, at uh, TalkingAlternative.com. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, and, you know, be, be sure that uh, this, our interview today uh, will be up a little later on today on the Talking Alternative website and up on iTunes probably by tomorrow. Um, So, Jake, thank you for coming on and sharing all of this with us. And I think Ubuntu is is a great organization, and, you know, you you should really be commended. So thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Thank you so much. All right. And, everyone, uh, please join us next week at 1 o'clock for Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. And, um, everyone, have a great week. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Nancy Tatro from Speak Spin Radio. Speak Spin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens, and how to make it better. Because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. 
Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on Speakspin Radio. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Lebowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and Director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving communications. That's the answer. TalkingAlternative.com. 